Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Brick by Brick podcast. We've been away for a minute, Jacob. We have been away for a minute, Royce. It has been a little while. Luckily, with that segue, I covered both of our introductions (laughs) by just asking where have we been. You're on a little, uh, little sick sabbatical. Yes, we were. But we're excited to be back. We are excited to get back into First Peter uh, for this first segment. So, Jacob, please take it away. We are going to be in First Peter five. We're almost done walking through First Peter here on our brick by brick podcast. Um, we're going to do verses one through four today. So, uh, I'm really excited about these verses. Um, Royce and I are both passionate about the topics that we're going to be covering today. Absolutely. Um, we're talking about church leadership, talking about pastors, elders, um, the job that they have, um, how God expects that to be done, and the standard that he sets. So yeah. I'm going to be reading <coughs> verses 1 through 4. We're going to get into that right now. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. It says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So, uh, for those of you that were with us on the Sunday morning that we covered these verses, hopefully you'll recall that our first point was this, recognize godly church leadership. you got to be able to recognize it. God has a standard for church leadership, and we need to be able to recognize when they are meeting the standard or when they are falling short. It's important for us to do that because we should all be a part of the local church. The local church has leaders, yeah. and we need to know if they are doing what God wants them to do or if they're falling short. Yeah, I don't exactly understand where this mentality of kind of how loosely you have to hit the mark for mm. a church to be okay. Yeah. Like, because the Old Testament is, is rigorous in mm. what it expects from you for yeah. worship. Right. Yeah. So I don't. I don't get how we we were able to get get away with this entire emerging kind of like oh well you know we're we're you know keeping God important as long as we're doing that or as long as we're doing you know what we consider keeping God important yeah then it's okay right right so um it's definitely important to understand that there is a standard there's always been a standard since day one in the Bible in our Christian faith and. Understanding how we relate to that mm-hmm. is is vital because if you don't, and you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants with worship, with how you you lead the flock, with how you teach them and how you preach to them, um, you are going to deal with a whole bunch of problems. Yeah, a whole bunch of problems. So, verse one has the word elder. An elder is a leader of the church, and this concept of elders, it goes back to the time of Moses, all right? Moses was given advice, I believe, by his father-in-law to ordain 70 men as elders, or um, something very similar to what we know as elders today, uh, so they would make decisions, right? Moses was like, I'm, I'm, I've got all these problems, I'm trying to lead uh, these people, but they come to me all the time, I'm acting as the, the judge, I'm acting as the mediator, I'm yeah. doing all these things, 
and I'm, I'm, I'm really pretty much he's stressed out. He doesn't and know what to do. Day when he wakes up until he goes to bed, he's yes. simply sitting in a, in a seat and judging and governing for the mm-hmm. people. So it's just it's it does not work. Doesn't work. So he uh, his father in law says you need to take seventy men and you need to ordain them as elders, and they are going to be the ones who. Uh, who who lead in that capacity, who talk to the people, who hear the problems, who can act as the judge, who can hear them, because you're one man and you can't do it all by yourself. So Moses takes the advice. Um, obviously, that was God's advice coming through his father-in-law yeah. to set all of this into motion. Uh, so New Testament now, uh, the elders, it's pretty much the same concept. They lead the local churches, right? And then something else that's important to understand here is words like pastor, elder, overseer, are synonymous in biblical language. So we're going to use terms uh, pastor, elder, um, overseer through this episode. Um, don't get confused because we mean them to be the same thing, same yeah. acting thing. So we've got Peter. He's writing this. Peter is an elder himself, and he's writing this section to the elders of the church, all right? And he's giving instructions for the church leaders. I think that if... Peter, okay, or maybe the modern day equivalent, if we can say that, of Peter was was writing to uh, me, right, as a youth pastor, yeah. okay, and, and people, you know, in, in a similar position, and he was saying these are instructions that you need to follow. I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> thank I, you. I need to follow these. Yeah, I'm going to do my best to follow them. And not only is this from Peter, but this is in God's word, so this is from God, and yeah. this is this is the standard. He's getting into these instructions, okay? Now, the first thing he says is, <clears throat> elders, shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd them. So a pastor, an elder, needs to be involved in the lives of the members of the church. I want you to think about what a shepherd does and how they guide their flock and guide their sheep. They're close. They're involved. They're helping the sheep get to where they need to go. You know, we've all heard the analogy of, you know, um, the, the the sheep are dumb, right? And they, yeah, jump, yeah, yeah. they jump off and they go into some ditch and yeah. the shepherd is there to catch them. He pulls them out, right? <clears throat> the, the shepherd is involved, okay? So first of all, uh, a godly pastor, elder, overseer um, is going to be involved in the lives yeah, of his I church. I think that is probably one of the biggest points to make is how involved mm. the the pastor is because right now with how large these churches get you know yeah. and they don't even have to get that large for this to be a problem right but the pastor almost gets put on this place where he's he's not approachable right you can't oh, just absolutely. talk to the pastor you can't just email the pastor mm-hmm. right when that's the expectation is that right. he is he is shepherding you yeah. he's not just you know getting up on his you know his podium or whatever, his pulpit every day, basically behind bulletproof glass where you can't, you know, get to him or interact with him. Mm-hmm. And he shouts out his message to the people, yeah. and that's it. It can't be this one-way street. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, I was listening to R.C. Sproul, and he talked about how uh, someone came up to him and, or something, and he was like, man... What was it like when you were just a pastor? And Darcy was like, just a pastor? <laughs> what do you mean, just a pastor? And he's like, it is the most gift, it's the most, like, bless, biggest blessing of a, a vocation you can have. Yeah. And he says, like, the reason I'm not a pastor anymore, or I'm not a pastor now, and I just, 
because my life is easy when I just drive around, give messages, give talks, talk to people for a weekend. I'm not sitting with people and, and helping them, you know, sanctify them, helping them, you know, weed out their sin, helping them grow spiritually, having them be mad at me, having them be upset with me, getting emails, getting letters, right? Having to hold their hands as they die. Like, right. like literally you are living with these people yeah. and helping them go for their entire life and for your entire life. So yeah. if this isn't just something where you show up on Sunday, you talk a message and you go home mm-hmm. to the, you know, or go to the, the, Old time buffet yeah. or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, you don't like, escape to the green room where exactly. you have all your favorite coffee and snacks. Well, exactly, because it's important to remember that people in it—they're real people. They yes. have real problems. Yes, and the problem comes whenever, like you said, they get put on this pedestal. They're unapproachable. It's like people have real problems and they need real yeah. answers, and they're looking to a pastor to to, to help. Yeah. You know? and so yeah, they're gonna hear sermons and lectures and lessons and things like that but whenever somebody says i have something very specific going on in my life mm-hmm. and i need godly advice help me point into god's word for help that's yeah. not happening unless the pastor is involved with uh, the the members of the church yeah and I, the problem is you'll have just kind of underlings kind of taking care of that yeah instead of him and i can equate this perfectly have you ever gone online trying to figure out a technical issue with a computer or a gaming system, a TV or whatever, and you go to you know type in, hey, I need support, I need whatever, and they just redirect you to a computer or it's like, have you tried these things? Have you tried this, 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 and this? It's like, yes, yeah. I have. I need a human to tell me what to do mm-hmm. and explain it to them so they can help me. It's yeah. like, well, that's not an option. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I guess I, just, I, I can't do anything. I'm just right? going to be stuck here with my problem. Yeah, yeah, I'll just be stuck with my problem. Man, that's a good example. I'm going to have to use that one day. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure you uh, put me on the work side. At Royce. At Royce. <laughs> um, so next next uh, piece of advice here that Peter's giving to the elders is he says, uh, exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. See, a pastor, an elder, shouldn't shepherd the church out of obligation or feel forced into it. He should do it willingly. Now there's a huge attitude difference there. I want yes. you to think about a time where you helped someone out of obligation versus a time where you helped because you really wanted to. I can think of a lot of times where, you know, I did something because I felt like, oh, I guess I need to do this, like keep up appearances, yeah. I need to help this and the attitude is like this is beneath me. Yeah. You know, I, I don't need to do this. Yeah, we can we see that at lunch every day when, you know, if there's no one who's having to serve lunch duty or whatever yeah. and Mason will just be like, Hey, who wants to help me today? You know, mm-hmm. you have kids who will jump up and you yeah. have kids who are just like, Well, Coach Griffin is asking me, I'll, yeah, I'll go do it. I guess I'll do it. Um But yeah, I love focusing on that word voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like we were talking about earlier, um, when I was listening to Doug Wilson talk about parenting. Yeah. Right. And I deal with this issue in my classroom all the time because if I get frustrated or aggravated with a student, I am willing, because I'm upset with them, yeah. to discipline them, mm-hmm. right? I'm willing, but because I'm upset, because I'm aggravated, I'm probably not thinking clearly. I'm not going to be judging as fairly. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to do it, but I'm not able. Yeah. But then what will happen is that once that happens, I come back down to normal, and I'm a- now able to mm-hmm. you know, discipline them. But I'm not willing because yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm, I've cooled off. And it's like, but I that's when I need to do it. Yeah. I must do it because I have to uphold a standard in the classroom. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, ugh. 
it is difficult to, to find that that balance. But the, mm-hmm. the fact that it's voluntary means you are kind of doing it yourself. You are you are self-controlled to the point where you know what needs to be done and you mm-hmm. are willing to follow through and do it without having to, you know, rely on emotion or rely yeah. on anything, you know, external. Yeah. And maybe most of us have experienced this where you've asked someone for help and you've been on the receiving end of receiving help that is obligation to that person. You know, maybe it's like a, yeah, I'll help you out or an eye roll or look at at the watch or something. Could you imagine approaching your pastor? You know, this person, maybe, maybe you've never actually had a conversation. Maybe it is a situation where it's a big mega church and you don't personally know each other. And this person approaches this pastor says, pastor, I, I've been struggling with this. I need help with that. And he's kind of like, well, it's almost lunchtime. I've got some time, I guess. Yeah, I, well, can we got, you I, I can give you five minutes, and then I'm going to pass you off to my yeah. assistant here. I, I would be crushed personally yeah, if my pastor, especially with all the all the turmoil you probably went through to get to that point mm-hmm. where you're praying, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I'm about to I'm going to lay this all out in front of this person, and they're going to know everything about me, yeah. all my trials, all my failures, mm-hmm. and then there's like, mm, no, yeah. I don't think I have time for mm-hmm. it, bud. And even if they do help, that attitude, you can always tell that yeah. there's that ob- obligated attitude, you know. And my, like, my attitude towards that has always been, like, if you're just, if you're going to grumble about it, just don't do it. Exactly. Just, you know, like, I don't want to grumble. I don't want to deal with your complaining or whatever. So, if you're not going to do it with a cheerful heart, or, I mean, I'm not going to force a cheerful heart on anyone until, you know, you're yeah, at that yeah, point, yeah. right? But, it, like, don't grumble. Don't mm-hmm. complain. Just do what you need to do, yeah. and just that, let that be it. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, next, he gets into this, and, and I think we're going we're gonna to be here um, the majority of our time in our first segment, is it says uh, the pastor, the elder, should be, uh, should be leading, should be shepherding, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And unfortunately, this is a problem. It's very unfortunate that this is a problem. It's not a new problem. It's been around for ages, but uh, it is certainly a a big problem. We have pastors who use their authority or their platform for selfish reasons all the time. Yeah, all the time. Like I, I I think it'd be dumb to say it's more more common than not because Mm -hmm. you know uh, there's probably all sorts of you know small churches that are serving diligently yeah. and serving genuinely but it is it's what's at the forefront yeah um, whenever pastors are in the news it is because they're they're being criticized for not you know not usually because they are serving faithfully which yeah. is why we should be criticized mm-hmm. in the news because news is pagan and evil yeah. but um <laughs> it's because they're doing something that it's 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 fascinating how it's one of these moments where they do something so bad that even the world yeah. looks at them and says, "What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. Right, and that, that's that's the craziest thing when we look back through Scripture is seeing these moments where it's the world's like, "Well, church, mm-hmm. what do you, when that should be mm-hmm. us? We should be saying, yeah. what are y'all doing?'" When right. like in Corinthians, he's like, "Dude, you're you're in a relation that even the pagans wouldn't touch." Yeah. right. Yeah. Or when we look at um, this is my one of my favorite stories when Abraham, uh has his wife go with the the king because he was afraid that he would kill him mm-hmm. if he knew and the king, what's the king's response like what kind of person do you think I am <laughs> well, you should have just told me yeah just tell me yeah <laughs> and it's yeah. like oh 
And then Abraham does it again. Yeah, he like, does the same thing. It's it's like that 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 problem, that fact that it's so it's so common to the church is just it's mind boggling. Mm-hmm. And we have these people, you know, in the public eye, and they're the ones who are you know embezzling money. They're having these these relationships that are ungodly and stuff like that, and you know it gives it gives you know the church a mm-hmm. bad name when in, in reality the church is going to do what it's going to do regardless of what the yeah. charlatans yeah. you know are up to yeah and you make a good point um, there there was a pastor you know who I'm talking about mm-hmm. we don't have to go into names here but who in the past year um, it came out that he had been having an affair mm-hmm. um, and the world. You know, I think of people like Joe Rogan. Yeah. Know, of all people, he he's got his podcast. Yeah. And they do a segment on this pastor. A podcast just a, a little more popular than this one. Just a little bit. They only have like a hundred million more views than we oh, do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a number. <clears throat> so they do a segment on this pastor, and they're they're putting pictures of him up, and they're saying, "Look, look at the way that he's dressing. Look at this, like." And they're not Christians on this podcast. No. They're pretty much the exact opposite. And the exact opposite. They, they're going. You you don't you don't believe in the things no. that you're putting forward. Yeah. You know you you built this platform. You're friends with all these celebrities. You've got this public eye, and then you turn around and you use it to gain money. You know, you use it for your 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 so you deviant can rub shoulders with other exactly, celebrities. Exactly, exactly for for other because you are pastoring or mm-hmm. witnessing to them or shepherding them yeah. like you should be doing to your church. Yeah. But you instead would rather cling on to this these this one person, which of course one person is is important. Right. But you pick that one person. Yes. Right. You pick that one person because that person's relationship, mm-hmm. their you know how they related to you was very valuable. Yeah. In your eyes. Yep. And once again, just circling back to what we talked about right at the beginning, is a lot of times these people that these these pastors connect to for shameful gain aren't even members of their church yeah. or any church for that matter. So clearly, that's for for shameful gain. You know, I think of things like to gain. Money to gain popularity. I mean, we've got pastors who just do the wildest things. Yeah. You know, they'll fake all sorts of stuff. They'll mm-hmm. fake healings. They'll fake all these things. They'll go on TV yeah, and they'll um, say... Uh, we'll probably get into him later, but Stephen Furtick, he mm-hmm. would have... Uh, so, like how there's a there's like a track list for... Um, or a stage list for um, like a, a concert. Yeah. You know? He has in like the the stage stuff is like when we start doing baptisms, yeah. this first row or the people and the first fifteen people, mm-hmm. you will go up and get yes. baptized to inspire other people yeah. to come up and get yeah. baptized. How in the world is do you could you possibly fathom that fabricating mm-hmm. baptisms mm-hmm. is okay? Yeah, it's not. And like, I'm we're not we're not trying to you know question people's salvations. You know, but Justin Peters said, if, if the Holy Spirit does not bring you to your knees for doing some of these things, you need to start questioning and evaluating yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that is shameful gain. That's what it is. Like, 
whoa, by the end of this year, we need to be able to say that we baptized a thousand people. Yeah. So we're gonna fabricate. We gotta the get Holy those numbers Spirit up. Those moving. are rookie numbers. Yeah. Those are rookie, uh, rookie, rookie, uh, um, hole in the wall Baptist church <laughs> numbers. We can't be yeah. dealing with those. We're a mega church. We, we can't have those church. numbers. I'm sorry. <clears throat> You must have misread the word mega in our name. Uh, <laughs> I need so, you to do better. I, I think that um, I think that it's it's easy most of the time to be able to tell when a pastor, when an elder is using their platform for shameful gain. So let's be wise, you know, yeah. students listening. Uh, I know that right now you go to churches that your parents go to, your grandparents go to, and you may not have much of a choice, but... You're going to have a choice one day. You're going to be able to go where you want to go, and you need to be able to see uh, when pastors are doing things um, right and wrong. You just need to be able to see it. Yeah. Uh, the last little thing Peter says here is a pastor should uh, should not be domineering, but should be examples of the way that Christ lived. Domineering means asserting your will in an arrogant way. Um. Arrogance is pretty easy to see in people. Yeah. Uh, so if you're visiting a church and, and you just see a pastor exuding arrogance, probably don't stay there. Because probably what's happening behind the scenes is he's got a very domineering personality. It's my way or the highway. We're going to do it this way or you can leave. Oh, yeah. you've got some criticism. I don't want to hear it. You, you just... And, and yeah, that's just that's so kind of wrong. Just bombastic way of doing things mm-hmm. is just it's it's once again kind of just relating to a, being a personality instead mm-hmm. of being a pastor. Yeah, like you just you just want to be a talk show host. Yeah, on stage every every Sunday. Yeah, yeah. You don't want um, anybody to question you. Yeah, it's uh, like what's the quickest way I can get power over people? Oh, become a pastor? Yeah, I'm gonna go just do that. And as scary as that, people have probably thought that before. Oh, absolutely. Really. Um, absolutely. We talk about shameful gain. One of my friends from college, uh, Dan, told me a story. Uh, there was a guy in, in, a, in a class, um, and the professor, this is a, a Bible college class, and the professor said, um, hey, if anybody in here is not a Christian, can you just raise your hand and, and, and show? And, and a few hands went up around the room, and a hand went up beside a friend of his, and he turned to this guy, and he goes, you're not a Christian. What are you doing in a Bible class? And the guy looked at him, and he goes, there's a lot of money in this God stuff. That's a true story. That is, like, And that's crazy, and that's just so, it's, that's for shameful gain, and that's wrong. Um, so the things that there, Peter is talking about. about how, how honesty is, though. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's he's like, honest, but dude, like... I'm, I'm here to, you know... Yeah, just... Nothing nothing good about him saying that, but it's just like, wow, someone who's just real yeah. with him. It's like, yeah, I want to I get that uh, I want to get that bread. Yeah. I'm not talking about that daily bread, you feel me? I want to <laughs> get paid. There's a lot of money here in this God stuff. So the, these things uh, that Peter has covered, uh, shepherd the flock of God, exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly... Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering, but examples of Christ. Those things make a godly church leader. Uh, this is how a pastor properly shepherds his church. And like we said, unfortunately, there are many pastors, elders, who are not leading the way that God says they should lead. Um, and I'll say this again. Again, Chances are, as you grow up, as you go to college, as you move away, you're going to be looking for different churches to attend. At least that's what we're praying for, that whenever you graduate and you move on from this uh, student ministry, 
you're going to go and you're going to join a church and you're going to be faithful to it and you're going to stick uh, with God, you know, all that stuff. Um, look for a church. Anyways, my point is, whenever you're going and you're doing that, you need to know these things because you need to find a church that has godly leaders. Don't just follow the crowd. Don't just follow where everyone else is going because, yeah. unfortunately, the odds are they're flocking to a place that is led by a, a pastor, an elder, or multiple, who knows, yeah. that are not doing the things the way that God wants them to do. Yeah, if uh, if, if preaching doesn't you know regularly challenge you or kind of hurt you, mm-hmm. uh, you need to really think about what you're listening to. Um, if, if you're not constantly being pointed back towards Christ and what he's done for you, uh, then you really need to kind of open your eyes and just kind of look around and just like go to church, listen, like, okay, could someone who's not a Christian have told me this? Right. Mm. Like could, could a, could a, a motivational speaker have gone up and told me this? Like there, there's a clear distinction between what, Christianity is offering mm-hmm. and what you know some of these pastors are yeah. they're just they're just offering you know a, a nice right now I think I, I was gonna mention this later but I don't know if this is a gaffe but Stevens Stephen Furtick said something like there's no there's no hope in in, uh, in what something in what's lasting yeah it's like what He's, he did say that what are you talk where, where could you possibly even wanted to go with that yeah it's not you're not going to find that in god's yeah. word it's like dude all the, the lasting things are the only things that matter mm-hmm. right yeah like the 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 eternity that's offered to us by god is 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 what we're supposed to look toward the mm-hmm. hope in yeah right the fact that one day we're going to be able to see him face to face and it won't be as an enemy yeah right it'll be the child mm-hmm. and the fact that he'll just you know like what could be your next point after saying that? You just know? completely backwards. Because I believe the next point he made was, it's about here and now. It's about what's yeah, happening right now. Something like that. And it's ag- like, yeah, again, that's yeah. that's just not right. And, and also, <clears throat> I, I know I don't mean to just jump on this one guy, but he would tell his congregation, uh, this church is only about you know new believers mm-hmm. and like you know and uh, converting people. Yeah. Uh, he's like last week. If you if you were converted last week, last week was the last week that <laughs> the church. church was for you. Yeah, right. And this is before he you know gotten on something to kind of get bigger. <laughs> um, got that sick fade. Yeah, um, yeah. But and he turns his nose up. Yeah, at the point. You're right. Yeah, he, he even goes on to say. We're not going to shove our noses in theology books. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much to say, like a bunch of nerds, we're not yeah. going to... And it's like, it's, it's you don't have to have a theology book open on your it's desk. It's literally but. frat boy Christianity. It's like, <laughs> bro, books, theology, understanding God? What are you, a nerd? Yeah. Bro, we're going to be out there winning souls to uh, Christ. Um, yeah. who, Who's Christ? Uh, well... He's the guy, right? He's the dude. He's the yeah. man, right? He so, is that guy. Yeah, he's that guy. You're not that guy. He's that <laughs> guy. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you right now? And like to to have that understanding of what church is and what you are supposed to be doing when you commune with believers, I think is going to be a great segue into what we talk mm-hmm. about next because yeah. the gathering of saints on mm-hmm. Sunday mm-hmm. is not about evangelism. Right. Okay? Right. Now, here's the awesome thing. 
evangelism can take place because the worship of God is that holy. It is that elevated. Yes. Right? Yes. The fact an unbeliever could come to a church service, hear a sermon, right. hear worship, and the Holy Spirit could move within them mm-hmm. and they could be converted. But you are not preaching to your flock as if they are unbelievers. Yes, right. You are preaching to them mm-hmm. as the saints to equip the saints, right? So what Stephen Furtick has done with this message, with this point, is saying, I am going to not be what the church is supposed to be. Yeah. My service will not be what services are supposed to be expected to be. Right. They're going to be about the most nebulous term of winning people for Christ. Okay, that's great. As a Christian, you should be one of winning people for Christ. But what are you winning them from, and what are you winning them to? Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the main... Like, you can say the vocabulary, you can throw the words around all you want, but if you don't, if no one understands what you're talking about, because this is a common thing in philosophy, so everyone just changes what words mean, mm-hmm. right? So you can't just you can't just read a book of philosophy and understand what they're talking about. You've got to read what they understand yeah. to be what they're talking about, right? Right. So these people are throwing all these these ideas around, these concepts around, and there's no standard mm-hmm. because they've moved away from the standard, mm-hmm. right? So. Uh, the point being is that you have to have your focus on the correct things yeah. for church to work, right? And that focus has to be God. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I think you were right. That That's a perfect segue into this uh, uh, segment number two. Um, yeah. The last thing you just said is it's got to be about God. Yes. The gospel is about God. Yes. The gospel is about Jesus Christ about what he has done. Yeah. And um and um I'm going to uh be real with you. My uh my my thing, my uh word Google Doc that has, you know, our points out is not as uh well put together as Jacob's. <laughs> but um I I will work through it because there's a bunch of ideas here that um I want to talk about. And the main point for this segment is the gospel is not man-centered. Okay? The gospel has never been man-centered, but the church has found, sorry, not the church, people have found that a lot of people want to hear a man-centered gospel. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to read the story and find out they're the hero. Everyone wants to be Poe from Kung Fu Panda (laughs) and open the dragon scroll, find out there's nothing in it, it was in you the whole time. Who said it's in you the whole time? Poe, but also Stephen Furtick. In his, in, his, in his sermon, he said it was always in you. It's like, okay, okay, Mufasa, appreciate that. Right? That does me that does me a world of good when I stand before the Lord of hosts, the King of glory, and I say, it was in me the whole time. He's like, yes, yeah, sin. Exactly. Sin was in you the whole time. Yeah. But the main thing we have to get to when it comes to understanding the gospel is God-centered is that we have to have the accurate understanding of who God is, mm. which is why it's so imperative that Jacob has been working the youth through the attributes of God. Mm-hmm. Because I assure you, nowadays, people do not know, right? I will never forget, I was I want to say I was a senior, and Pastor Kenny was mm-hmm. preaching for our, um, it might have been our, our kind of get out of here speech or whatever, yeah, our last thing right. or whatever, but he said, it might not have been, but he was preaching for the school. And he said, God is not your celestial homie. Mm-hmm. Right? And that just, like, 
I never thought of it that way, but when he hit, when he hit, I was like, people just people do see it that way. Yeah. Right. When when people pray, when people talk to God, when people refer to God, it's like there isn't that barrier mm-hmm. between who God is and who we are. And people tend to forget. They think that God is just us times a certain degree. Yeah. But he's a different he's in a different playing field. Mm-hmm. He's in a different category, completely separate from us. It's 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 not it's not comparable, right? And um Shylin was he explained this really well when he was talking about the time he met Denzel Washington. Yeah. Uh, he said, now when I went to go get a picture with Denzel Washington, uh, what you don't see in the picture in the photo op is that below, like, you know, mid midsection up, there's a fence separating us. Uh, so yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not standing by Denzel Washington. Yeah. It just looks like I'm standing by Denzel Washington. Because <laughs> I were to if I were to cross that barrier, mm-hmm. I would be like a, a, a t- attacked. Yeah. Right. So when it comes to understanding uh, the gospel, uh, the best way I've heard it put is that you have to reason from God down, not man up. Because if we start with us and try to climb our way to God, we are going to inevitably find ourselves focusing on us, right? But if we focus on the accurate picture and understanding of God and understanding that God is out for God's glory, mm-hmm. then everything seems to fall in line, right? As long as you have that that one trajectory that's correct, everything simply can't get out of whack, right? Mm-hmm. But it's when we start adding it's like when we start with a, with a rocky foundation, that's when things are going to sway, right? But if we build it on the cornerstone of who God is, he is holy, he is just, he cannot He cannot look upon evil, right? If we start from there, that will keep us straight. We won't be able to diverge if that's if that's the, the place we're informing our understanding of the gospel. Um, and one thing that I've always found important when it comes to looking at the gospel and not falling into these pitfalls. We talked about earlier these these pastors that are always falling into different sins, right. like whether it be uh, lust, greed, um, arrogance, pride, whatever. They're falling into them because people are looking to them instead of looking to Christ. Right. And if there was anything in the Bible, if we were going to pick out a specific concept in the Bible that I feel echoes the, the, the most loudly and the most, you know, constantly, it is that your only hope is Christ. Christ has to be the center of the entire shebang. Mm-hmm. It cannot be a person because every single person fails. And yeah. that is the point. Like, I know we want to get into the book of Judges. They're, they all fail. Yeah. Right? They only... They only get by by the skin of their teeth because God came by and said, all right, well, here I am to save the day. Here I am to pull you out of your misery. Here I am to pull you out of your failure. Right? Right? And that's the mentality you have to have when you understand the gospel is that all these people fail. They're all terrible to a degree, right? Abraham, the father of many nations, had multiple wives, right? He tried to circumvent, like this is the one thing they're always doing. They try to circumvent God's will and get to God says, here's your destination. They're like, oh, I see that. Um, I'm going to take this. Where he's like, um, how about you just trust me, and I'll get you there. He's like, 
God, that's a great point, but... <laughs> but hear me um, out. I have a, I have a counterpoint. <laughs> I'm going to go this way. And he's like, yeah. okay, well, there's your ruin. Um, <laughs> like, the, the fa- like, looking at, you know, uh, Jacob and Esau, it's like Jacob mm-hmm. was told. They knew. You, the older will serve the younger. Yeah. Right? They knew that. But instead, they're just like, okay, well, we know the destination. Let's just bulldoze through and get there. Yeah. And that's what caused all these hardships. Which leads us uh, real quick to... Just because something happens in the Bible, just because something happens narratively, does not mean it is something that is encouraged or yeah. that we should look to model, right? right? Because everyone looks back and says, well, you know, they were, they were you know, polygamist in, in the Old Testament. It's like, <laughs> yeah, how'd that work out for them? Did it go well? That wasn't good. It went good. well, didn't it? <laughs> Solomon having hundreds of wives, that worked out well. You know, he, he didn't build a... a, 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 um, a um, a, a, an altar to Moloch, Molech. Yeah, he did, he definitely didn't do that because his foreign lives, wives led him astray. Yeah, that it's like if you just like look at what's happening, and that would bother you. Mm-hmm. That would crush you if they were the main character. Yes. Okay, but they're not the main character. Yep. They are pointing you towards the person who is. They are pointing you towards the person who will not fail you, mm-hmm. who will not falter, who mm-hmm. will not sin. And we get in the same problem, we get in the same, you know, ditch um, contemporarily because we look at these pastors, we look at them, you know, we say, yes, dude, did you hear that sermon by so-and-so and and this person? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, man, it was so edifying, I loved it. And then they'll do something, and it's like, burn it all, get rid of it. (laughs) Throw it all away. You're you're like tearing your your Uh, posters off the wall and stuff, right? Yeah. and that, that's the problem is that if your if your mentality or if your focus is towards the people in the in the Bible who are, you know, just kind of serving the way they're expected to serve, um, and they falter and they fall, and you think, oh well golly, that person wasn't perfect. It's like, yeah, yeah that's the point. They right. weren't perfect, right? Which is why they're pointing you towards someone who is. And it's like, man, how can God use these people? who are so evil and so wicked to meet his end. It's like, gee, I don't know. If only someone were holding and their blood atoned for all those things, right? And it's just Christ. Yeah. That's the point. Um, uh, one of my, my favorite things is uh, this quote from St. Johnson of Hayward. Uh, he's a, a little-known uh, theologian. Uh, he doesn't do, write many books, but someone was uh, there, there are some dialogues that are recorded uh, this is my favorite one. Uh, he says, know your role and shut your mouth. Um, I think that's a perfect synopsis of this this idea for the gospel. It's like mm-hmm. you, you have what God's told you to do, right? You understand, based on the redemptive history, what, what sanctification, what justified fallen men look like, right? You understand that you are not going to be perfect in this life. Yeah. But through faith in Christ, you are atoned for. Yeah. And you will be sanctified throughout, right? So you know your role, right? You know where you fit into this story. God will use you to meet his ends, but he is the main character, right? Like, don't ever think you're the main character. You're not, okay? Mm -hmm. You're not that guy. You're not the main character. (laughs) But you you will be used for his glory. Right? Everyone on earth will be used for God's glory. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about why probably in a different podcast, but we will get into that. It's a cliffhanger for you. Right? <laughs> and Shameless also, plug. Keep don't, listening. don't ever just you know, look. I'm, I'm 
pulling too much from the stupid quote from The Rock, but I, it made me giggle, right? But understanding who we are and where we fit into the gospel, because Christ is a sinner. God is, God's glory is the goal, right? And shut your mouth. Don't bicker about it. Don't try to, don't try to get around it. Don't try to say, well, actually, it's like, no. Because that leads to the next, the next quote by um, St. Hayward, uh, Johnson of Hayward, and that is, um, uh, it doesn't matter what you think. Yeah. Right? So, um, yeah, I was a wrestling fan when I was little. But <laughs> real quick, I want to dive into this piece of scripture that I think is vital to understanding um, this issue. Now, the application of this scripture isn't as exact as what we're dealing with here because the people that they're referring to, that Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9, are servants of Christ, right? They're not doing anything bad. Yeah. They're just doing their job, and people are misconstruing what they're doing, yeah. right? right? Right. So I'm going to read this real quick. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Even now, you are not ready. For you are still in the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So he continues. This is the, the kind of meat of what we're talking about. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? So he's taken this, this idea of um, sensationalizing people, and he's already calling it non-Christian, yeah. right? And I wonder why he'd say that. He might get into it. We'll have to find out. <laughs> What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. That's their role. I need to stop doing that. I sound sound like a modern preacher now. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So notice here, regardless of the roles, he said, I planted, Mm -hmm. Apollos watered. I I put the seed in the ground. He's the one who's cultivated you, helped you, shepherded you. But who provided the growth? God did. Right? So the glory is being given back to God. They understand that without God, this is pointless. Yeah. Right? So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Mm. So this here, I think, gives us the perfect picture of what we need to avoid. Right? Because... At least the, the people here, the Corinthians, are looking towards actual servants of God. They're just doing their job. They're doing what's expected of them. They're shepherding. They're pastoring. They're doing what they need to do, what they're supposed to do. But we, or not we, but like, well, kind of we, okay? Because <laughs> we have we have our pastors we like, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're so right. that's something we have to check ourselves, mm-hmm. right? If a pastor falls, like, it, we have to understand it's not about that pastor. Yeah. It's about Christ and Christ yeah. being glorified. If a right? pastor falls, is my faith going to fall? Apart? No, and that's the point, right? Yeah. When our faith is placed in these these people, these pastors, these leaders, and not in Christ, your faith is shakable, right? Because when that person falls, you're crushed, mm-hmm. right? That was your hero to say, yeah. right? Yeah. That was your hero of the faith. You love that person, right? You love listening to that person. You thought that person hung the moon, right? But when your faith is on Christ. Those fallings away don't hinder you yeah. because it was not always about them. Yes, they're a blessing. Yes, they're, they're, they're messages 
edified the church. They helped you better have a better understanding of theology. They helped you so-and-so this or that. They helped guide you, helped shepherd you, helped you, you, your sanctification. But if that person falls away, you're fine because yeah. your foundation is Christ, right. not them. It's not like you're, you know, uh, I'm going to be very uh, contemporary. I'm going to be very <laughs> hip and topical. Uh-oh. All right? Yeah, uh-oh. It's uh-oh. Like, like, so it's like this, guys. You know, you, oh, the, the, the TikTok milk crate challenge, okay? <laughs> so the milk crates are these are these people and pastors and leaders that you put all your faith in, right? So when you step on them and they falter, you fall down and you get hurt, okay? <laughs> so it's the same thing. But, you know, stupid joke aside, our foundations have to be Christ. Yeah. And if your foundation is God, your foundation is Christ, your focus is His glory, this is His story, then you will be fine. Yeah. And that will help you as you go out into the world. You might go to a different church, see these different teachers, and you'd say, hmm, something's not right here. Yeah. You know, I think that the messaging here, what's being taught to me, is not beneficial. I think it's actually detrimental. Mm-hmm. Like it's like for a perfect example, the Bereans. They didn't just accept Paul and say, "Well, he's the guy." Yeah. You know, let's just. Do. They went to the studies, and they said, "Hey, all right, based on what we've read, what he says seems to align with our understanding mm-hmm. of the scripture." Yeah, he checks out. They vetted him. Yeah, right. And did Paul get mad? No. No, he honored them. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's expected for you to try to make sure that the main thing is always the main thing when it comes yeah. to the gospel. And the main thing in the gospel is that it's God-centered. It is God's story. Mm-hmm. God is for God. You're not David. The Bible's not about you. All those one-liners and so forth. But we see this happening all the time um, in the church today or the quote-unquote church today. Uh, I have a couple examples that are just insane uh, the, the the fact that someone would say this with their actual mouth uh, is pretty is pretty crazy. Um, once again, I'm uh, I'm not I'm not sorry, but I'm harping on Stephen Furtick. So <laughs> Stephen Furtick um, said in a, in a thing he says I have a, I'm in a covenant with God Almighty. I am God Almighty. Right. That's, That's a exactly good impression. Right? Yeah. That's a good impression. I I can do that. So. <laughs> Uh, we we understand that was probably a gaffe. He shouldn't have said that. Obviously, <coughs> he shouldn't have said that. Yeah. He probably didn't mean that. Um, we're giving him the benefit of the doubt. But when you're wrapped up mm-hmm. in your presentation, your production, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Right? If you're getting hyped up, people are you know high-fiving you. You've got your own coloring book that's sold at your church that has you depicted as the visionary that you follow and that you're unified under. What do you think is going to happen to you when you are in that position? You are going to go off the rails. Yeah. Okay. There. This is exactly what happens in Corinthians. Mm-hmm. They are they are following the man, yeah. not the man Christ. Yeah. Okay. He also um, was called unqualified by uh, John MacArthur, and instead of saying, "Hmm, hmm," this guy says that I'm not qualified to preach. Yeah. And a very well-respected, yes. long-time pastor, elder, who has done it the right way, who honors the scriptures, yes. who is just like amazing, wonderful, godly. Yeah. If that if that guy, Pastor John MacArthur, ever said my name in the word unqualified in the same sentence, I 
I don't yeah, know. It's, it's I, like I would. It's like all right. Well, it looks like I'm going to go uh, become a manual labor person. I mean, I wouldn't just be like, "You're wrong." No, I would be like, "Hey, no. please tell me why. What have I done? Honestly, I need to reflect on what's happening here." Honestly, it would have been better if you said, "You're wrong." You know, what have I done? Whatever. Because what Pastor Furtick did instead was he was like, "Man, I was listening to John MacArthur, and he said my name, and he said unqualified." And I was like, "Yeah." You know what? I am unqualified. That's why I wrote this book. Unqualified. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? What are you? <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. First off, bonus. This is a bonus red flag from a couple weeks ago. Bonus red flag for <laughs> pastors or preachers. If you weaponize your criticism. That's a bad that's a bad thing. Yeah. Don't weaponize your criticism. Don't take something that's thrown at you instead of addressing it and saying, "Oh, well, you know, actually you're wrong. Here's my counterargument. Actually, you just don't understand what I'm doing." Instead, you just take that and run with it and make it a product or a, a part of your branding. Yeah. That's just I don't I don't know how to how to describe why it's awful, but it's awful, mm-hmm. right? Like I mean, because it, you're making it all about you. And yeah. It, it's it, it's what we're talking about. Yeah. It's you-centered. It's man-centered. It's yeah. not God-centered. It's terrible. Yes. You know? And, uh, man, I just... but uh, We're trying our best to, to, to give you these examples so you can see it. Yeah. You know, and, so like, that, you need to understand that people actually think this and say this. Yeah. It's not just, like, we're, har- we're harping on people... Who are you know like just these people these nobodies like these are these are people who are hugely in yeah. the public eye like yeah. here's another one this is an old this is more old school this is Kenneth Copeland he says when referring to um the I am statement of God he right. says whenever God says I am I say I am too what <laughs> this is this is the man centered gospel this is yeah. the idea that yeah. Christ didn't save us from our sins he didn't breathe life into us. He just he just elevated us yeah. as created beings. Um, next, there was a guy named Jesse Duplantis. He said that God asked him for advice sometimes uh, with evangelism. That was uh, crazy. Yeah. That, now, yeah. do not get this twisted. This is my favorite of the heresies. I'm not saying <laughs> that it's good. I'm saying that when he when this guy said this. He twisted it in the perfect way to make it sound like it was legitimate. But this is what he says. Creflo Dollar believes that we are all little, we're all gods with a little G. We are gods in a sense. Mm -hmm. All right. And the way he defended this, which it's, it's, it's genius because of how he worded it. Not because it's a good argument. Yeah. Because he set up the argument and the argument was sound, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't, True. Right. It was false. But he says, uh, when when a when a dog gets together, they produce what? And everyone shouts a dog. Dogs. When a cat gets together, they produce what? And it's like <laughs> cat. And it's like a horse. And he's like, when the Godhead gets together, they produce what? And that's the thing, mm-hmm. right? That word produce yeah. has so many different contexts. Yeah. Right? Produce production could be creating things, manufacturing things. It could be you know uh, animals giving birth, humans giving birth. So he conflates those two terms with produce or created with the word begotten. Yeah. Right. He says instead of they pro- he produced man, 
He begot man, mm-hmm. which is that begotten is different because it's 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 of his kind. Yeah. Right. It's more of a direct thing of his. It's more of a of a direct image of his type of mm-hmm. him of God. Mm-hmm. Right. But with by conflating those two, it's like oh well, he begot us too because he said we're made in his image. Right. So we have this um. Like that was just my favorite the way he broke that down. And then um, this is kind of an example of both. The idea uh, when Stephen Furtick had Joyce Meyer at his church, he had this long like spiel diatribe about he literally gets in his con talking to his congregation, his own church. He says, "What did you do? What did y'all do this week that would make you deserve to have Joyce Meyer?" the greatest expositional preacher alive today. And it's like, there's so many incorrect things you just said, I don't even know where to start, Yeah. right? Ugh. Starting with Joyce Meyer and Preacher, but we'll, you know, we'll just leave that in the air, right? <laughs> what did you do to deserve? What? Yeah. Once again, there is no focus here on God. There's no focus on Christ. None. It's all about you did something good, and this yeah. is what you've gotten. Very you know, good. Yeah. Here's so the reward. It is immediate, an immediate turning back to that idea of works mm-hmm. and you earning the good things you get, earning your salvation, earning you know your place in in the family of God. And it's 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 so obvious and blatant that 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 isn't what the Bible teaches. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The Bible teaches to elevate. God to elevate Christ, right? If a pastor or a book that you're reading or something is ever twisting it, like Roy said earlier, to make you the hero that's elevating you, that's elevating your gifting, all of these things to be over uh, the importance that God is, the importance that Christ has to our lives, then that's not right. That is a man-centered gospel and that is not the true gospel. You know, that's like Paul yeah. talks about in Galatians. Like, you've turned away from the true gospel. I'm appalled that this has happened. There are so many false gospels, but it seems right now this is very prevalent in our culture, in our country at least. Yeah. And uh, we're telling you this because if you're not careful, you're going to get sucked into it. Because it's all over the Christian radio. It's all over the TV. It's all over YouTube. It's It's everywhere. And if you're not careful, you're going to get sucked into it, and you're going to begin to develop your theology and your thoughts on God and your understanding of the gospel, and you're going to put yourself in the middle instead of God. And you can't do that because it's all about Christ. Remember that. The gospel is not man-centered. As long as you're pointing back to Christ, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but you would have to try very difficult, Mm -hmm. try very, very hard to go wrong. Yeah. If you are focusing on God, focus on His work, what He does, um, what He come, what He makes come to pass, then I think it's very difficult to be led astray. Mm-hmm. You'd have to be doing some uh, high level heresy to uh, make you know to mess that up. It's almost foolproof. <laughs> but um, when it comes to this idea of kind of developing incorrect notions about what the Bible says, about how we're supposed to understand it, about the, what the point of the narrative is, because it happened, it's all real, it's all true, all of it, as Han Solo said, but it also is a narrative. Yeah, There are there are themes right. in it, which is why it's so, it's so mind-blowing 
how this all works. So what we want to look at in this final segment mm -hmm. is a couple examples of misused verses. Uh, some more misused than others, some more flagrantly yeah. misused than others. But um, Jacob, will you take, take it away with number one? Number one, we're going to flip over to the well-known passage in Philippians. We're going to go to Philippians 4, verse 13. Philippians 4, 13. Oh, boy. We're both flipping there, so just give us a minute. You can hear our pages flipping. Yes. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 13. Now, remember, we're building off of our uh, the second segment, talking about how the gospel is not man-centered. So now we're showing you scriptures that are commonly misunderstood yes. to show uh, that, it, that it is indeed about you, okay? Which we, it's not. It's not about you. But these verses, people twist them and they say that it is. So Philippians 4.13, okay? Here it is. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that him being Christ. Uh, I, I just... I know. So what I'm going to do when I leave here is I'm going to go hit a PR, mm -hmm. and I'm going to bench 450 pounds. Yeah, because you can do it, because, because Christ is strengthening you. I just you. say that, I chant that. Like and uh, you know what? Next Thursday, whenever I'm coaching up, and when you're coaching up your when middle schoolers, coaching up our middle schoolers yeah. we're going to win, because we can win. do all things through Christ who, who strengthens us, guys. Yeah. And uh, all of you, you know, who have a test coming up, and, you know, you're not going to study, but you're yeah. going to pass because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Man, who, who's the hero yeah, in all of when this? You get that, when you get that test back, and you're like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> what? How could you do this to me? I, was, yeah. I, I prayed to you. Um, I, so it's, this is a great example of how, how easily you can go wrong, mm -hmm. right? Because... All the writings on the wall here, it's Philippians four thirteen. Yeah, meaning that we are literally in the middle of an idea, exactly. in the middle of a concept. Mm -hmm. But like instead, you know, it's like it's like an example from um a book I told you about where the guys like, all right, well, like you know, say for example, you know, you are uh you're a, a football player player on one team, okay, <laughs> and there's a football player on the other team, okay, but you're both Christians, okay, and you pray <laughs> that God. You know, you can do all things through Christ. Things do, but theoretically, you're both Christians. You both play the pray the prayer. Okay, so theoretically, all you could do is give you a tie, right? Because you both can't win because one of you is a Christian and one of you isn't, right? Also, my wife's a doctor, so like, <laughs> oh uh, man. But uh, that's the issue, right? Is the, the issue. The the, it, the problem with this mentality is so obvious from the get go that you know it kind of shows a lack of of due diligence yeah. when coming to the Word of God, yeah. right? Because all you have to do, what, not one not one verse prior, and you understand all of it? Yeah. Because he says, 12, I know how to be brought low. I know how to be it, how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through Like, you don't have to read the whole chapter. Yeah, you don't have to read verse. to the beginning of the paragraph yeah. about God's provision. Yeah, you're right. Like one verse prior, and you mm -hmm. understand exactly what he means here. Yeah. Right? So, And what does he mean here? He's simply saying, listen, you can endure anything that I will for you to endure yeah. because I will be the one strengthening you. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So whether or not you've been blessed in your life and you have a, a, a nice life, your job is you know going well, mm -hmm. your family is healthy, you have a nice house, right? None of those things are sinful, right? right? 
But, you know, you have to be able to live in that, but you also have to be able to live when you have nothing, yeah. right? So there's the, there's the best case scenario. You got a nice life. You, you, you have uh, uh, adequate funds. You have a nice house. Family's okay. Family's doing great. All right, that's our that's our top, right? Because I mean, I don't feel like going any higher than that. But then we take it to the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. This is the example that um that uh, Paul gave or Paul Washer gave, right? He says, "Imagine you are like dead in a ditch, right? You're you're just dying. You have no family, no friends. You have nothing to your name. You are on the verge of death, right? Is Christ enough down there?" Mm-hmm. Is he, is he enough up here? Is he enough down there? And that's the idea here. Yeah. Right? God, he, he will, he can, you can do all things. You can endure all things. You can walk your Christian life and can, can conquer or uh, uh, acquire or, you know, uh, do anything he wills you to do. Right. Right? Because he's going to be the one strengthening you. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the one empowering you. Mm-hmm. Right? And it comes back to this idea of the way you see your God's will in your life and how God God's will in your life those things as you become more and more like Christ will become one thing yeah because if your will for your life is God's will for your life well guess what he's not going to let you down mm-hmm. he's going to fulfill his will in your life yeah yeah and uh, I mean for those of you listening I think that you can already see the difference between you know I'm gonna hit a home run today in my game yeah and when I'm at my lowest point, I'm going to overcome because of God, because of Christ who strengthens me. I mean, the emphasis on the, on, it's just different. Yeah. I am going to hit a home run because yeah. he strengthens me. Yeah. Or I'm going to be okay. I'm here because his will brought it to pass. Mm-hmm. And Christ is going to strengthen me. Not Christ is going to strengthen me. It's all about yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully that yeah, is it's, simple it's, enough. It's definitely uh, like, you know, you're, when it's almost the first one, the first example is like just him kind of making you, you know, go super saiyan and you're just yeah. a little bit better than you were. Yeah. So you can rise to the occasions. The other one's like he literally just picks you up by the scruff of your neck. Right. You know, and gets you through it. Yeah. Right. And there's, there's two, those are two completely different ways of seeing yourself. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's exactly what, I mean, and if anybody's going to write this, I'm glad it was Paul. You know, because of everything that Paul went through. I mean, he wrote this from jail, first of all. He was in prison. He didn't do anything wrong. Nope. He was preaching the gospel. It was offending people, and uh, they put him in jail. Not only was Paul in jail, but this is the guy who was stoned so badly that the people who threw the stones at him gathered around him, and they were like, yep, he's dead. <laughs> we got him. And they walked away, and Paul wasn't dead. He stood up, and he walked a crazy amount of miles to the next city and preached the gospel there, you know? Yeah. So he knows what it's like. And prior to, like, he he knew what it was like to have riches before God saved yeah. him, before the road to Damascus, right? So now he's at this lowest point, and he's saying, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me because it's his power in me, right? So the gospel is not man-centered. The gospel is God-centered, yes. right? So uh, I believe Royce is now going to take us to our next yeah. uh, passage. So this He's one, walk um, us through these. This one's definitely a, a big, a big deal to me because I have I've heard this verse used so many times, and the way this verse is used 
is always, always simply a, a cloak to um, uh, deflect, or it's like a shield or a set of armor that will deflect all criticisms hurled towards a sinful lifestyle. Um, so this is going to be in Matthew 7. We are looking at Matthew 7, 1. And then at the after the first verse, we will conclude the chapter because there's nothing else after that. Okay, <laughs> so this I, I assure you've heard this verse. Um, judge not that you be judged, for with the judgment you. All right. So first off, that's where it stops. It always stops at judge not lest you be judged. That's where they always stop. So now we have an understanding because people stop right there that you simply cannot judge people. Mm-hmm. Um. There's so many places to go with this issue, but the first one is like, it's the first verse. If that were if that were worth quoting, he would have stopped there. Yeah. Right. But I can't. I can't imagine. I can't imagine someone just reading like the first page of like Harry Potter and being like, like, wow, riveting. <laughs> it's well, done. His parents are dead. Yeah. Huh. You know. Yeah. I'm it's like it down. his parents are dead. Bad guy's dead. Sweet. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But. It continues on, okay? And this gives us an idea. What's so frustrating is that this is so vital. This chapter has so much information and so many things that can help you better understand um, your Christian life, how to better see other Christians or see other non-Christians. He says, Judge not lest thou be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your neighbor's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or, how can you say to the brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is first a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, keyword there, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Okay? So, right here, we have him saying that the point is that it's better understood that you need to be ready to be judged if you are going to do this. Mm-hmm. You, need to, you need to understand that your, I think this is the, the main the main issue here. Your heart needs to be in the right place when you go to a brother with some kind of criticism yeah. or something like this, right? Because he gives us the he gives the the category the parameters right here. He says, "How can you go to someone with a log in your own eye to get to get on to them for the speck in their eye?" Mm-hmm. Okay, people have taken this statement and made it say, "Oh, well, you know, you can never can't be going and you know calling out specks in people's eyes." Like, yeah. no. The point is that you have a glaring issue, mm-hmm. and you need to do away with it before you start, you know, helping or trying to help someone else out right. with their issue. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay, because there's nothing wrong with seeing the speck in someone else's eye, right? Because how helpful is that if a brother or a sister comes up and helps you with a blind spot that you have, mm-hmm. right? The ability to see the speck. Isn't a bad thing, right? The problem here, and he 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 highlights it, is that it's being done hypocritically. Yeah, right, <laughs> man. That that reminds me. I'll just hopefully this example helps. Uh, in high school, uh, you know, off season football, you know, yeah. you go and you to the gym and you work out. Hopefully, you gain some weight for the next season. And so that's why I was in the gym. And there were these two brothers who would always go to the gym. They would work out like every day. Older brother, younger brother. Older brother uh, had a bad mouth. He he used. Bad language, a lot. There was one day where little brother, Mr. Rep, Mr. His, he was maxing or something on power cleans, and he dropped it, and he shouted out a curse word, 
And his bro- the older brother looks at him and he goes, hey, watch your mouth. And I was like, I mean. Excuse me, what? What What do you mean? Like, every other word out of your mouth is that. Yeah. You know? So he noticed it. And noticing the, the curse word wasn't the problem. The problem is that was extremely hypocritical. Yeah. It came from the wrong place. Your heart yeah. was not right in doing exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. Like, you can't, you can't. You can't in good faith call someone out on something you yourself are doing. Everyone understands yeah. hypocrisy. Even the world understands hypocrisy. Right? That's why the world hates the church so yeah. much. One of the reasons yeah. why, you know, because they just throw that word. Exactly. Like they'll, they'll, because, you know, we'll just like to nitpick certain sins and not others. Yeah. Right. So the, the point here is we have parameters for how to judge, mm-hmm. right? And we, we, it, we have to be careful with the word judge. It sounds like you, you, you've got the gavel right. and you're like, you know, pronouncing judgment, but it's like, no, you need to discern. You need to watch and look at the people in the church and be willing to help them. And there's nothing wrong with doing this, like with trying to remove the speck in another's eye. We're encouraged to do it. He tells us to. Because the point is, it's not about me with my chest puffed out Going to a brother and saying, "Hey, you need to get rid of your sin, you little pagan!" Right? <laughs> yeah. That it's it's not about that. It's about me saying, "Listen, this is sinful. It is hurting you, mm-hmm. right? And it is hindering your growth. I want to come alongside you and help. I'm not trying to throw shame at you. Yeah. We have both been bought by the same blood, so I'm just here because I care about you." And I want to bear your burdens like we're told to. Mm-hmm. I just want to help. That's all it's about. And that, as long as you're in the right framework, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. We're encouraged to do it. Because he says, you know, beware of false prophets who come, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. What does that mean? Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but diseased fruit trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Then you will recognize them by their fruits. He is literally telling us, just watch people. Mm-hmm. Just look at them, right? Because the, the, what I've learned the most is that people who are, you know, usually proclaiming the loudest and the most bolsterously or the, you know, the most, you know, I don't want to say arrogant, but like the ones who are, who are flashy and showy about, showy about it are usually the ones who don't mean it, yeah. right? I mean, the, the fact that how many people wear crosses around their necks, mm. right? Yeah. I stopped doing that. Right. I just I was like, I don't deserve to wear this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, like, where do I, where do I, like, I don't know, I, like having that reminder every time I fall, it's like, wow, look at me damaging, you know, my witness to people. But that that's, that's the, the entire idea is right here. We're supposed to, Especially within the church, because you know, I know people always make the arms of why why bother judging the world around you, right? They're pagans. They're going to be like they're 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 lost. They're unbelievers. They're going to act like lost. It's like, okay, we're we're still supposed to call a spade a spade. We're yeah. supposed to call sin sin. Right. Okay. Granted, I have different expectations for an unbeliever, obviously, mm-hmm. than I do for a confessing brother or yeah. sister. Yeah. That is where it's like, hey. Listen, you, you are you're proclaiming these things, you're telling me these things, yet I'm watching you. Like you said last week, it's like I, I've seen no change. Yeah. Right? I've seen no change in you. Nothing's been different. You simply have a moment a couple weeks ago, a couple years ago, where you said, 
uh, I like to raise my hand. I see that hand. You're now a Christian, right? But nothing's changed. Um, I, I like how Shylin put it that one time where he's like, you know, you walk to the altar at the age of eight and then you live like the world and then yeah. expect to go to heaven. Yeah. Right? And I know that's kind of, that's, that's, that's disquieting. That can, you know, kind of jar you a little bit. But I'd rather jar you now mm-hmm. than you, you know, be like, well, what the, what the heck later? Yeah. You know? But um, I think that's all I wanted to point out there. But I think the point I just wanted to get to with, with judging is understanding that the difference is we we judge to help, we criticize to help. Okay, that's that's why we do it. We want we want to see our brother or sister in Christ succeed. We want to see them, you know, uh, more like Christ's image. Mm-hmm. Okay, because we ultimately understand that, like we started with in this podcast um, today, was there's a standard. Yep. There's an expectation, right? And when we judge hypocritically. We're basically making up our own standard and saying, oh, well, this is how it's going to go, right? And that's the problem because no one is ready or understands what it means when God will judge them. People think that God's going to be like the jolly green giant and just let things slide because he's God. When he has no there's no there's no expectation for him to do that. There's no reason to do that when he is in with he's completely within his right to just destroy you and move along. Right, and I remember like there was like some some meme or it was when I think Miley Cyrus did that song or whatever, and she said only God can judge judge us yeah. in this just completely flagrantly inappropriate song. Yeah, right. And people throw that term out or that phrase out so flippantly mm-hmm. and don't even and realize they don't what they're understand saying because oh. they think that the judge God as judge will be super forgiving. Yeah. And that people are the ones yep. who are super judgmental. They're more fearful. When it's like, no, mm-hmm. I'd rather have a, a, a person judge me yeah. because they're evil like I am. God is perfectly righteous. He's perfectly just. He's perfectly holy. Mm-hmm. He's going to look upon you, this sinful bag of stuff, and he's going to address you as such. He's mm-hmm. going to deal with you as such, right? So... We really have to understand like these, these this this difference between you know judging in this in this pretense and the judging that God is going to do because it is why we need Christ. Yeah, it's why we need Him to save us and to come alongside us and bring and breathe new life into us because if it's up to ourselves, we can't do it. Yeah, right. But uh, that's 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 my spiel for that one. But. Yeah, that one just oh, that one grinds my gears. Yeah, because every time it's used, it's like, well, judging all this, I'll be judged. It's like, okay, you go on sinning. Yeah, go for it. Okay, whatever. Yeah, fine. Okay, well, you're putting yourself at the center there. You're forgetting yep. that this is about God in the first place, and yeah. that's incorrect. Um, yeah. So remember, First Peter five one through four, um, explaining what a godly elder is. Yeah, you know, if you've got. <laughs> If you ever thinking, hmm, I wonder if this pastor just go to that passage, just read what the Bible says, and it's clear. Yeah, um, I think remember uh, that standard that God set. I think it might have been R.C. Sproul who said that this, but um, he said you should always be wary if a minister gets rich or wealthy being a minister. Yeah, right. I think you know churches can be successful. I think it's a red flag 
when that's you know, you, is that another that. bonus do we yeah, have another there you bonus go. There's another bonus <laughs> if you got rich being a pastor you might be in trouble you, you might, might be in need trouble. to uh, reevaluate right right and then segment 2 the gospel is not man centered right and then when you read the bible you're not at the center yes. it's not about me i'm not the hero you're not the hero god's the hero and that's it yeah and when it comes to reading scripture you need to have that mentality in your mind. And also remember that the scriptures were written for a purpose. Right. They were not just random stories clobbered together and put out. The main thing you got to remember are the three rules, as Chris Roseborough would say. He say, the three rules of understanding scripture are context, context, context. Yeah. Which gets annoying hearing it five billion times when he gets into it. But it's true. Yeah. The pers- it was written by a person. That person wrote a message to another person or group of people. He was in a certain time period when he wrote it. He had a certain thing that he was trying to address. And that's all vital to understanding it. Yes, we can glean information, something helpful. We can understand our Christian life better by taking from that message. But you can't just assume, oh, well, that's me. I'm that person, that story right there. Mm -hmm. Right? So as long as you're doing that, as long as you're keeping God at the center and not you, I think you will not be led astray. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Well, yeah. that's our episode. That's number it. three. <laughs> all right. It's good talking to you. Well, See y'all next time.